Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of White Label American. Thank you all for joining us today. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge my uh, Patreons. Thank you all for supporting us and helping us build community. Uh, I would like to give a shout out to our newest Patreon, Daquan. Thank you for joining the family. And please, uh, fellow listeners, we need more guys to join us and help us take us to the next level. We have a lot of work we like to do, and we are nowhere close to achieving what we are trying to achieve. And for those listening who are not able to join on Patreon right now, we understand. And you can still support by liking, sharing, subscribing to this podcast and giving five-star ratings and positive reviews on any platform that you listen on, most especially on iTunes because that's the largest uh, platform and the algorithm will push us up. So yeah, we're about that algorithm life. So that's enough about me and the podcast. Um, let's jump to today's guest. I have the honor of having Marie Valerie Placide in the studio with us today. She's a dear sister of this podcast. She's a trained bilingual French and English professional. <laughs> She currently um, has an amazing um, immigrant platform, a uh, platform that advocates for immigrants on Instagram. And it's a beautiful show that I've had the honor of being a guest on. And it's uh, one of the best shows that you find on Instagram that's just pure, honest conversations, but with so much to learn. And it's not just limited to immigrants that are within the New York area or United States, you also get to meet immigrants who are outside of United States. And it's not just limited to only her country of birth that she will introduce us to also. So, um, Marie, welcome to the podcast. I was going to say welcome in French and I forgot the French I was going to say. So, yeah. <laughs> Merci beaucoup. The welcome is bienvenue. Yeah, bienvenue. bienvenue. <laughs> I, I, I had it up and then I, I lost it. But yes. So welcome. Welcome. How, how you say welcome in, in uh, your Creole? Uh, bienvenue. It's, you know, French. Okay, Creole so, is yeah. like a, you know, a yeah. little transformation of uh, not transformation, but it's more like a it's French change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Bienvenue. Oh, I, like Bienvenue. That, I like that better. Yeah. Bienvenue. Mm-hmm. Bienvenue. All right. I, I, I use that. Bienvenue. I like that. Mm-hmm. So um, your names, Marie Valerie Placide. I also, I also, it also has a French uh, feeling to it. Yeah. My name is French. Okay. So, uh, do you know the meanings of your names? No, there's no meaning. In fact, uh, Maggie, uh, you know, Haiti is a very Catholic um, country. So most of the time you will see people uh, with religious name, like okay. Jean, Marie, yeah. 
things like that before their actual name. So it's like your parents call you, give you that name as a protection somehow. But um, as a, you know, as the time goes by, people don't do that anymore. But you know, for my time, they yes. would make sure that you have, you know, your first what we consider here in the U.S. as a first name. They would make sure that it's a, you know, Bible name, oh, so okay. just it can protect you. Yeah, it can protect you. Yeah, um, it, it's a common thing amongst the Christian side of Nigeria too. We... But Valerie, I've searched it somehow. Valerie means power, and I feel yeah. every time I say that, I feel so powerful. You know, <laughs> I'm being silly, but um, um, uh, placid. You know, placid is calm. And when you, when I search for my last name, you know, in the dictionary, it means calm. Okay. Sometimes I'm really not really that calm, but um, it's like power. I would say it's calm power. If you would have to give it, you know, um, a uh, meaning, I would say that my name is, you know, or the, or the power of calmness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I've, 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 I've never tried to put all my names together into mm -hmm. one meaning because I know the meaning of my names, uh, each one separately, but I've never tried to combine all of them together and you just gave me that idea now so yeah i wonder yeah, yeah that, 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 that that's fascinating huh? that's something i i should try because uh yeah and i know Raphael, i know Owen life i know um harry so <laughs> okay it's uh yeah I, I would, how many uh, other names you have other than Raphael harry uh there, there there's a couple there's a name that i there are two names that I have, but the person who gave me the name never existed in my life. So, well, mm. his family gave me the name and he never existed in my life. And he okay. died last year. So, uh, but I'm told he's my biological father. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, he never existed in my life. And the person who knows the whole story still gives me different stories every now and then. So mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I can't use a name that never existed it just came from someone who never existed to me. So, yeah. I understand. So, uh, but I have a bunch of nicknames. I actually created a nickname that many people still call me by. The people don't even know that my name is Raphael. They don't know me by any of my names. Uh, I used to have a book of names. That was my sister's book, and then she lost it to me. And he has a nice way of saying I stole it. But, uh, yeah, it, I love I love nicknames too. I love I have a lot of nicknames too. <laughs> but I chose the name Fernando. Uh, okay. I think yeah, Fernando was uh, brave and valiant. Was the same as the same meaning as Ferdinand. Okay. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I I started calling myself Fernando, and then one teacher named me Fernando Po, uh, which is the capital or uh, you know the capital city of Sao Tome and Principe. Which I okay. never, yeah, I've never been to. It's a small, mm -hmm. tiny island, just um, by West, between West Africa and Central Africa. So, um, yeah, um, it's so there are a lot of people who know me as Fernando Po, and there are others who just know me as Fernando. And there are some people. I'm pretty sure that's why they can't find me on Facebook because they keep searching for Fernando. Fernando <laughs> like, that's but funny. <laughs> if I were to show up in some cities in Nigeria. 
there are people who just, Fernando, Fernando, that, you don't know that guy, Fernando. Uh, like someone came to my house once uh, when I was living in Port Harcourt. And, oh, you lived in Port I want to yeah. visit Port Harcourt. Uh, I, I, I hope it's, right, you might be, it's a little bit, it's 50 50. Uh, you might get kidnapped. That's just the downside of it, but it might not at the same time. <laughs> That's I just, might get kidnapped. Yes, it's good business now. So it's uh, oh, wow. unfortunate. Like it's, it's it started, it started when it started when I was living. Yeah, when, when yeah, I, it's when similar I was to Haiti. That's what's so, happening to Haiti right now. Yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, th this guy came to our house and uh, my aunt's house where I was staying at then, and uh, I think that was like 2004, 2003, 2004. And he's like, uh, "Hi, uh, you know, you everybody. Everybody was at home that day, and he's like, "Hi, uh, I'm here. I'm looking for Fernando." And my, my 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 uncle was like, "Who? Who? It's a Fernando." A warm uh, house. He, 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 Fernando, this is his house. Uh, who the hell is Fernando in this house? And my, my aunt was just laughing. She's like, uh, that is, is Raphael. Go and call Raphael. I was in the room. Go and call our son. Go and call Raphael. Like, Raphael. Why, why, why they call it Raphael? They say he's looking for Fernando. Go, and go, go tell him to go to another house. There's no Fernando. No Fernando in these streets. All the boys, there's no boy named Fernando here. And I come out, hey, what's up, man? He said, ah. Raph, come here. You, are you telling people your name is Fernando? I said, that, that's my nickname. No, no, no. You, you know what you do? Come, let's go, let's go. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> like, yeah, I have. Ah, you have my, I don't have full-blown name, but I do have pet names, like Vavo. Mm -hmm. My best friends call me Vavo. I have Lulu. I have Vava. Vava, since I was born, and they've been calling me Vava, so mostly my family, my closest family. Yeah. Um, but the one I like the most is mom, you know, that's the best one. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess I'm get, I'm still getting used to Papa, which is yeah. what my daughter calls me. Uh, but actually, there are people who are named Papa. Yeah, I just re realized that there's people called, named Papa. There are people whose mm -hmm. names are Daddy, not Daddy, Daddy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so that's the accent. There's Daddy. There was one who, uh, he's late now, but his name was Daddy. I don't know his other names, but that was his. <laughs> <laughs> the old neighbor who knew him as Daddy. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, he'd be like, oh, what are you looking for? I'm looking for Daddy. Ah, Daddy there, yeah. Go meet, go find Daddy, Daddy there. Yeah. Ah, okay, 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 <laughs> yeah. Daddy now defined. Uh, then Papa, 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 Papa. That's his name. Everybody, that's the name. I don't know if that was his real name or that was his nickname, but that's the name. You, you come to that area, you're like, I'm looking for Papa. Oh, go to that yellow house on the, the fifth street. You, yeah. you make it, yeah, you find Papa. Everybody knows Papa. That's, uh, you, you think it's an right. old, it's a young boy. <laughs> that's a young boy. You see, how did you come up? How did you, how did you end up with the name Papa? Yeah, that's what they call me. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I, I don't think there was any young person I knew named Mama. So, except you had a kid. <laughs> Not that I think I just thought about it. I don't think there's any young person I knew named Mama. But um, if you if there was a young person named Mama, then it's um, there's something attached. It's like Mama Beans. Like my niece was called Mama Beans because okay, she, she okay. loved eating mm -hmm. beans, uh, black mm -hmm. eyed peas. She loved the beans porridge as a kid. She didn't she didn't like eating rice jollof. Uh, -uh. give me beans. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> she ate like two plates, not one, two plates. Any house you go okay. to, if you serve beans. I just like you just make sure it's enough beans. Like two, the second serving has to be available. She, she's down for that. So the nickname was Mama Beans. 
Yeah, because every kid is like, yeah. I want rice. Not, not, yeah, she's like, ah, I'm, I'm the kid in the corner. I was like, you got beans? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Rafa, um, Marie Valérie Placid. It's a French name. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I inherited my grandmother's last name. So, which is Placid. Okay. Um, they have ties from friends. I think I have family also from, um, what do you call this country again? Um, I can't remember now, but mostly European countries. And my family was, you know, my mom was like a very, light skin my grandmother my my dad they i mean not my dad but my granddad they were all very light skinned people so that's why you see my oh, mom wow. like that so yeah it's a it's a french name okay. yeah oh. so um well what what part of haiti were you born in and uh, what was your childhood like over there oh um i was born in in Petronville, I don't know if you've heard about, I know you said from the last conversation we had on my platform, I know you said that you were about to to be deployed in AD, right? I was almost deployed. Earthquake. Well, technically I was I was on the list to be deployed right after the, the, the earthquake. earthquake. The, yeah. Oh, okay. But they, okay. They, 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 took, they took me out of that last minute, but nobody told me anything. They just told me to pack my bags. <laughs> I was yeah, waiting so, for a final word. Nobody said anything, so never left. <laughs> yeah, that's so bad. But I mean, we get to meet each other anyway. So probably, if you were in Haiti, I would have, I would have, I would have never met you. But here we are. So I was born in uh, Port-au-Prince, not Port-au-Prince itself, but in a small suburb of Port-au-Prince, which is called Petronville, and it's more like. Um, um at the time I was born, of course. But now it's really crowded and it's more like a New York City mm-hmm. town. But at the time it was a very dense, quincy, um a, a little town where, you know, gated area, where politicians, you know, um politicians, and we'll have like um I don't want to say rich people, but very the I mean, elite, middle class, the elite, yeah, middle class professionals. That's where they were born. That's actually where they were raising their children. So I was born there, and it was that little town where everybody knew each other. You know, we would go to school, very good school, very nice places um very good restaurants and all that um my childhood i mean i was we are my mom has three has three children but i was raised mostly with my brother and but we were raised in a big family house so we most likely cousins and you know yeah. things like that so we there was always something going on fighting <laughs> happy together you know you just fought with your cousin to now 15 minutes ago and then 
another cousin is trying to, you know, to have some a go at that other cousin and then you fighting for her. That's where, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. You know, the exact, you know, I lived in a very big house and family house. So family ties are very important to me. And this is one of the issues that I have now, because with the pandemic, you know, you're kind of living away from everybody. Mm. And that's the only part for me that is a little bit uh, hard because you speak, you do speak with them, but it's not the same yes, way as yeah. when you were growing up in Haiti. Everybody was with each other. You were always, you know, hanging out. But here in the U.S., not only you have family obligations, but also you have this pandemic that is killing all sort of ties. Yeah. And it's a little bit daunting. But other than that, uh, you know, we keep through talking each other through Facebook, you know, um, Instagram and phone, of course, um, trying to stay, you know, close, as close That's as awesome. we can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, my mom, she was, you know, the pillar of the family, basically. Um, I mean, she passed already, but, you know, she has taught us a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I mean, I don't think I've ever gone to sleep a day without thinking of something my mother said or, some, or something she did or without thinking of her, you yeah. know? And I feel like we are losing those things when you 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 are from you know uh, an African country and you understand that when you're growing up in a country like this, the way that your childhood, I mean, it's completely different from what I'm seeing here. I don't know how it was, you know, back then here in the U.S. I'm sure that they had different ways of you know raising children now uh at the time but for me when you form one of those countries there is this community you know the way that you're raised you're being raised you there is a community everybody is looking up for each other and that's a very nice thing um and that's also what i've brought with me here in the u.s mm. yep I, I feel you on the community thing and I'll try and come to that later on because I have mm -hmm. a question to ask about that. Mm -hmm. uh, but still staying with your childhood, what would you consider your favorite childhood memory? You, you can make it two stories if you want. <laughs> I have a lot. I actually have a lot of uh, mem good memories, but hands down, going on vacation, to my grand grandparents' um, house, you know, for summertime. So every year, my mom, my mom was basically a housewife, I would say. She was not really working per se, but of course, as a, a, a woman, and she would have multiple ways of earning money, cooking and things like that, yeah. cleaning for other people. She was the ultimate small business woman, like the ultimate hustler. She always finds a way to, you know, uh, make money. But once summer comes, 
we are going away for at least two months because at the time I was growing up, we would have three months vacation. But at least she would make sure that we have a half, I mean, a month and a half or two months to stay with my grandmother. So did your grandparents live in a uh, different region or yes, province? Yeah. Yes, in Provence and in the south southeast of um, Port-au-Prince. Okay. And it's like you're going to the back country, you know? Mm. So where where you drink your water and a punch, a quark, I think they call it a quark, like a, a ceramic quark. Yes. Uh, yes. Oh my God. The, the good life. You would go and wash your clothes at the river. You would go wake up early in the morning. And sometimes they have to go to the plantation they have to, you know, get, um, corn for the meal, for the lunch later. I mean, at the time, at the time that we were doing it, of course, as children, we were mad, but now looking back at it, we're looking back at it. Those are the best memories, you know. Mm. Um, getting rides from the <laughs> from the horses, you know, things like that. Living a very a life where you're very close to nature, yeah. you know. You get the food right from the you get the food from from the, from uh, the sorry. Yeah. Yes, I mean that's basically my best move i would say one of my best memories yeah a lot, a lot of people who have been on on the podcast uh tend to have best memories related to outdoors and an appreciation for something like that and that's one reason why i love asking that question because it's mm -hmm. something that um you know we, we complained back then but we're kids. I, 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 don't, I don't see anything wrong with that we, we, we were kids you know mm -hmm. it's like now uh Kids, no, kids are just kids and, you know, kids just really want to play and, you know, play and play and play. But uh, with time, you get to look back on certain experiences and get to realize that, okay, well, there was a lesson to be learned from this. There's something that I'm doing today that actually the skill started forming from certain experiences that I experienced as, as a kid. You know, they started building back then. But you may not don't because based on the way some of our educational like I use Nigerian educational system a lot as an example they don't use the language there's no language for showing that you your your skill you already having you already had the skill set in use like you had to go to school before you could develop a skill set and you had to read a book but mm -hmm. it wasn't like you you were born with a skill set already you had something in you. But from playing alone, you you started showing what you were. You already said, you know, you were nurturing something. And from those outdoor activities, there were things, there were influences that started coming to your life. Which Absolutely. One way or the other, it stuck with you. And you may not have realized it if you never had someone to tell you, hey, this might be a path for you or show you that it will never sink, it will never be programmed into you. And then you go meet mm -hmm. another system that tells you there's only one way. So you just take that and go. And then one day you say, no, wait, 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 why? This is not working for me. And then people will say you're stupid or people will, you know, start calling you names. And, right. you know, that's how the conflict comes. But there's so many people <laughs> who are not, who have, well, they might not be able to pass the 
regular educational system, but they're not stupid. They've never been close to be stupid. And with, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, uh, uh, um, what do they call it again? Um, studies that have been done about that. And it's just from simple childhood stuff like that. You've, we, we see a lot of stuff that, you know, we just, we sometimes we take it for granted. We, 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 we take a whole lot of stuff and we just, we, we don't know what we've missed. We don't. Yeah, they absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's 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 not. I, I just love that question. About, mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh yeah, now when I, I mean, now it's really, um, you know, people are talking about eating organic food and really in trend right now yeah. to eat organic food, <laughs> but we have been eating organic food for the longest time. And the craziest thing about it, I remember when I was um, living in Haiti, we would rather have the food from the supermarket. Supermarket is buying from the US and other countries. We would rather have that those food instead of having the food from our soil because you know, you're considered rich when you can go and buy food from the supermarket. Yeah. But it's only after that you realize that, okay, the best food that I could eat was actually the corn, you know, um, the the bread food, you know, the potato, the sweet potato from my soil, whatever my grandmother would send back for, I mean, to us, we never, we don't, we didn't like it. We never liked it. You know, those yams where I never, I never ate that. <laughs> yeah, but, but if, <laughs> you know, you know what's Even funny? Now, I if, don't eat it. But even it, now I don't eat it, but I think I'm gonna try this year. I'm gonna yeah. try to be adventurous and start eating millet. You know those things. I didn't like them then. I didn't like them back then. Mm. But now when I move here to the US, I see everybody is like running over those food. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Uh, maybe I was really being ignorant. I was actually being very ignorant at the time. Whoever is doing this. Because, you know, you are raised in a way society is turning you into a a type of acculturation where you're looking at other people's culture and try to assimilate. It's a programming. Exactly. When in fact, what you have is perfect. It's only when you get out of the There's value in what you have, but you need somebody which for all intention and purposes it's a white man to come or a white wo- woman and tell me, you to come exactly. say oh what you have here is this valuable is and then everybody's like mm-hmm. oh yes then i'm like uh yeah because you knew if your people are saying it's good you're like mm, is it but that's every, so true what you said but as yeah. soon as one white woman comes i'm like oh have you eaten this before it's nutritious is this and they're like ah white women love it the white woman said this is good. I believe it now. Like, wait, what is that programming that made you not see that same message that's been said by everybody all this time? It's like uh, we have this thing. Well, it, we well, have like this saying in Nigeria. Is to it's actually is it, it when I became an adult, I realized that it was actually is part of uh, a derogatory term. Without, because we, we used to use it, it used to be a joke all the time. We said made in a bar, 
is to, that, we just say, oh, that was made in Aba. Aba is um, a, 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 a big uh, a, a city in the east. Right, it's very close to Potako. Actually, before it used to be like thirty minutes drive, but with the bad roads now, I don't know how long it is from Potako to Aba. Uh, it's they they uh, they they have a lot of um, artists. Um, well, it's some manufacturing there. They, they make everything from belts, shoes. They, they can they, they can make mm-hmm. it in Aba. It's not as big as Onisha. Onisha is a larger market, probably one of the largest in West Africa, and but they can make everything. Good quality leather materials, like shoes that can compete with shoes in Italy, they they do it. But somewhere somehow it became made in Aba is inferior, because probably when they started it, it, it was made in Aba was tagged inferior. And one time in uh, I think it was early two thousands, National TV had uh, one of their news reports. They went to Aba and they showed. Some of the guys making um, leather, I know it was mostly leather products. And mm-hmm. what they would do is, and I've seen something similar here in the United States too. They will make um, shoes, they will make leather bags, and instead of writing made in Nigeria, they will put made in China or made in Italy and stamp it with the Italian flag or Chinese flag on the product. So that it can sell in, mm-hmm. in Nigeria. Otherwise, nobody's going to put that money because you say, ah, it's made in Nigeria. Hell no, this made in Aba. Made in Aba. I wear this shoe for two minutes and it's going to break under my foot. Mm-hmm. But that leather is better than all this. They're, they're importing bad quality from Italy. Now, I'm not saying the stuff in Italy. Italy has great. We know that there's great quality there. And but also from the China. majority of the people importing from those places are not importing the best quality into mm-hmm. your market. You know that. But yeah, I do. because of that language of made in a bar, which has gotten into everything, the guys who are there now know that I cannot make anything and say, this is made in a bar and advertise it now and say, buy. Who, who going to buy? Everybody gonna, uh, no, everything I've heard about made in a bar is fake. Made in a bar is bad. Made in Aba is inferior. You can, yeah. but you feel it. You see it. You see them, and they make it right in front of you. They make the shoe right there in front of you. You see the leather, everything. They show you the whole process. Uh, no, 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 no. It's still fake because the programming has been put in your head yeah. for years, and all you it, it comes out with is inferior. So the person just no. But if you have made in Italy, ah, Italian. This is what I'm talking about. How much? <laughs> Made in Aba would have probably said for one thousand five hundred, but now we we'll put Italian. We we'll sell it for five five thousand. Here you go. I'm, I'm not even going to haggle the prices because we love haggling prices. Mm-hmm. No haggling. Italian. I'm paying for Italian. It's worth the money. Five thousand. There you go. Five thousand. Give me. Give me. Give me. But if you say Made in Aba, uh, we we have to haggle price now. I'm going to give you nine hundred. Uh, if you want to haggle prices, I'll teach you the haggling Nigerian style. If they say one thousand five hundred, you say seven fifty. Yeah, yeah my mom taught me that. You my say, well, uh, I'm not giving 750. You, you turn yeah. your back. You turn your back and start leaving. Ah, come, 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 come. Like, give me 1,000. What? 1,000? Man, I have, I have 800. I'll, I'll give you 900. Yeah, no, you, you, you can't. If you said 900, I'm telling you 800. This man said, are you an Igbo man? I'm not an Igbo man. But I'll give you, okay, 850. Ah, just 15 error. We're going to stand there. But it's because he said made in Aba. 
that's why I'm going to be I'm going to be extra bold with my haggling. But if it was made in Italy, well, you don't want to be that guy saying I'm I'm haggling Italian product. They're going to be like, you're not ashamed of yourself. Come on, are you? And and this is where it hurts. This is I was thinking about this this morning. This mm -hmm. is where we we hurt our countries because we don't give we don't like our countries as we should. We don't support enough, you know. And I was thinking about Haiti to them, and I was thinking and I was saying, oh my god. I mean, it's true that you're trying to find a better, you know better situations you're moving to other countries for better opportunities but um what if we stayed what if we tried to um change things what if we tried at least what, what, you know what is the definition of staying and trying because in some places it's easier to stay and try in some mm -hmm. places you have no choice like nigeria right now you have no choice in certain professions you can't stay You're a medical doctor, and the government is saying the the minister minister of health is saying you don't. You, why are you asking for pay raise? You're asking for pay raise to you're not asking for to be paid at the level of doctors in the United States, or you're asking to be paid at the level of doctors in Ghana, doctors of a uh, level of doctors in uh, uh, um, Sudan. Doc, you're not. That's where you're coming. You're asking, please pay us at that level. And the minister is like, you know what? Get out of the country if you if you if you if you, you if you're not happy. If you're not happy, life. and over six thousand Nigerian doctors will leave every year. Over go to the UK, go to Saudi Arabia. You find Nigerians full, brand mm -hmm. new. They're gone. But if the government doesn't care about making you earn enough to survive, what what are you doing? Staying yeah. here? When Where I had my when I had my hernia surgery in two thousand three. Yes, end of uh, two thousand Through into 2000 and, uh, the end of 2003, I couldn't afford uh, the, the 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 national and federal uh, federal hospitals were on strike. The doctors mm -hmm. were on strike, so I had to go. So I, was, I couldn't go to state hospital. Yeah, federal and state hospitals doctors were on strike, so I had to go to a private hospital. The private hospital, the, the the guy I went to, he was like, "Yeah, man, this is a, you 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 need to have surgery like within two days." I don't know what happened to you, so. You need surgery immediately, but if you don't have this amount of money, which was forty thousand naira then, which was about um, um, I think it was about a hundred and let's say about hundred and ten dollars as an exchange rate. US back dollars? Then. Yeah, US dollars back then. Hundred exchange rate was hundred and ten dollars, about hundred and ten. Let's just estimate that, and that's why the bill he gave me. And I said I I don't have half of that. I don't even have up to half. He was like, well, you got to bring the whole amount of money. Oh, we, 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 I, can't, I can't let you come to my hospital. Bye. So I'm walking out of the hospital and I run into my friend who sees my head down. And he's like, hey, what, what happened, man? I say, hey, look, I just went to see this doctor, man. This is what happened to me. He said, oh, I know a doctor at this other hospital right here. Um, he, he, might, he might take, uh, he will charge you lesser and he might take half up front. I will go talk to the doctor. He says, yeah, you need to have surgery immediately. Um, how much do you have? I said, I only have 13,000 naira. That's what I've been able to raise right now. He said, okay, come. Um, can somebody get the rest for you? I said, I've talked to my brother in the United States. He said he will try and send me something in a few days' time. He just needs a few days. But I need to have surgery right now. So mm -hmm. I, the doctor's like, okay, um, with anesthesia, this is how much you pay. Without anesthesia, 
you pay less. So which one do you want? I'm like, eh, I don't care. I just need the surgery done. I'll take without anesthesia. The biggest mistake I ever made in my life. One of the mm-hmm. biggest mistakes. The guy who stole my podcast equipment is never a big mistake in my life. That surgery is the highest because the pain I went through, woo. <laughs> Look, if I don't know the pain that women go through when they're having babies, I'm not going to try yeah, to compare. Why, that, I don't know. You, you probably read my mind. I was, I was thinking, okay, you I was about screaming. Pain, but, hey. I was screaming at one point, and then at one point, it's like, I, 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 I don't know. It, it felt like I was screaming and there was nothing coming out of my mouth anymore. But all I know is that when the doctor said, oh, we are done. We'll find, we've, we've, we've sold you back up. Surgery is over. They were surprised that I jumped out of the bed and ran. I took off. I took off out of the room and ran into around to my uh, resting room. I took off. That's the pain. I was like, I don't be in this. I don't see this surgery room anymore. Bye. They're like, how you get straight to run away? I was like, I'm running for my life. But the doctor, the guy was explaining to me later on, like, man, I, I wish I could, I couldn't have even charged you for this, but you know, he would have taken me to the federal hospital, but he didn't have money. The, the, the stuff they were dealing with, they, they had, a, had a, uh, my friend had to bring fuel for generators because of power outage. So you have to bring standby fuel if there's power outage. And it, it, so that's just on the medical side. There, so there are some other things which you look at the people in these professions, it's like you, if you don't have the Godfather backing you, you know, people, yeah. people say Dangote, Dangote. Dangote is not a pug. That guy came, come from the richest family. He's the <laughs> God of Nigeria. You can't go against him. You can't. No Nigerian government can even talk where he's talking. The, the pre- Buhari don't says something, they, they just hold Buhari's neck, put him in the pocket. That's why I don't like that. I don't like that song. Like Bonaboy, mm-hmm. that if if I want to insult Bonaboy, that song I always used to insult him. But you know, Bonaboy is my is a Potako boy, so I still forgive him at the end of the day. He didn't know oh, he's from Potakor? Yeah, he's a Potako boy. I want to go to Yeah, but he, he keeps he, he he sings mostly in Yoruba, so it's Yoruba is much mm-hmm. more uh, profitable to sing in. I put it that way. Okay. But uh yeah, he's a Potaka boy. Um, if I had stayed in Potaka longer before I left, I probably would have, maybe we would have encountered each other. But different times, mm-hmm. different world. But, you know, but it's, it's, yeah. it just, it's, the environment is not made for you to stay right now. Like, yeah. I can't yeah. tell anybody in Nigeria, like, you know, you say, oh, you want to exercise freedom of speech. I just interviewed a Nigerian recently. He's in New York here who, advocates for uh, immigrants who are um, of, from the LGBTQ, uh, queer immigrants and LGBTQ community. And when he was talking about his experience in Nigeria, how queer Nigerians are being killed, queer Nigerians mm-hmm. are being molested and treated, and I was like, it's clear, it made sense why, why I never saw it in the news. It made sense, but what's happening? But I recall, some of it leaking out into the news, but they usually hide it. And there are certain things which, if you don't see it, you'll be like, ah, yeah, we could have, it's so easy. We, I'm like, it's not easy. If you want to go stay in Lagos, Lagos now is so jam-packed. Lagos is so jam-packed. I'm like, I don't like Lagos. I'm not a Lagos person. I only have to stay in Lagos because of my visa. That's the reason why, if not, I wouldn't have even come there. I don't want to mess with Lagos. No offense okay. to Lagos people. I mean, they have good amala there. So, yeah, I like eating their amala. <laughs> and, you know, but... Um, yeah, Potakot. Potakot was is called the Garden City. That's the nickname of Potakot. Mm-hmm. Where the Garden now? <laughs> Who wants to go to Garden? What Garden are you going to? You can't. When I was living, that's when kidnapping started. 
you know, the year, yeah. year or two before I left. Kidnapping started. And it's not something that... There are people who want to stay. There are a lot of people who want to stay. But you force them out. That's the thing. They just mm-hmm. force them because it's working for some people. It just in the last... Uh, three weeks. How many children have been kidnapped? When they first kidnapped those cheaper girls, I did not believe it. I said, Nigeria, they don't. It doesn't make sense that that kidnapping happened. So I refused to believe that bring back our girls. I was like, hell no, that's not possible. Mm-hmm. I'm not believing that nonsense. Oh, this this some um, made up conspiracy. But the more it, I was like, oh man, this is oh this is a new level now. This this is not the Nigeria new anymore. It's changed now. The last three weeks, how many students yeah. have been kidnapped in the northeast? In the southeast, they are attacking police stations. You want to go say, I want to go become a policeman. Uh, uh, that, we never liked police people in the first place because they used to oppress us. They beat us. They kill us. They do doing it. If you live in the oil areas, it's a whole different treatment you get. Yeah. In December time, you're a boy drinking beer at night time. You start watching buses coming. If you see one empty bus come, two guys jump out, setting looking, setting shapes. You're gone. You just jump by the nearest fence. You start running. You don't wait for them to come. They go, hey, how are you? You have many, how much harassment can you take? That's a brand new look. Because all they're doing is just, just around yeah. all the boys, lock you up. Then you call your parents. They come and pay bill fee. You're not, they're not charging you with anything. They just lock you up for the intention of we get money from your families. But the thing, the thing with the kidnapping, um, when I'm thinking about it, really, um, do they really kidnap you based on information that they have beforehand or just... That's how it started. It started with the information, like my aunt who, uh, the the only person in my family who's been kidnapped, it was during election season. She's, her husband is in the political, in the political realm and, um, it was, I think there was a feeling that he might run for office or okay. not. I don't know. So it's within that, it was within that window and she got kidnapped. So I had a feeling like, because you started seeing more of that. political? Yeah. They, they, and then her sister, mm-hmm. her stepsister, who is not really related to me, her husband is in the house of reps and she got kidnapped too. And then their mother got kidnapped. But it was only during election season that they've been kidnapped. Mm-hmm. So Have they been released? Oh, or? They've, been, they've, been, they've been released. They paid ransom. Mm. Okay. Yep, yep. So the thing in Haiti, when when you when you're kidnapped, there's a there's a high chance for you not to be released. You they just kill you. So that, that happens too in biggest... Nigeria for, for some people. Mm-hmm. Like before all these kidnappings became a thing in Nigeria, like if we're like that's why it was common for people, you know, going back home. Like I grew up in Benin City before. Uh, that's the city I've lived the longest in before I started moving to other places. But Benin City, the people of Benin, they travel a lot. They're like the number one travelers of Nigeria. So if someone was coming home from wherever they were in the world, they don't tell the people their family. They don't even tell them that they're coming because there were stories of someone saying, "Hey, I'm coming." And then, and then family, hey, my Pekin here is uh, coming. Oh, come on, come on, drink, go, come on, drink. And then the child will arrive uh, Monday, Tuesday night, robbery. Or that knock, Monday knock. night, some men show up, lock everybody up, knock, tie knock. everybody up, take all the dollars, take all the gifts. And then police will come. When police do, that's when police do their real job, actually. Around the whole family, uh, well, probably in touch with some people. 
but information will now leak that oh i i went and told this one what did you tell i told this person and then this person told this person and then you told this group and then okay we'll give you a court tell us what time he'll be at home and then that's mm-hmm. how and so um let's stories last started spreading and then before he knew it when my mom f- first went to uh my mom went to denmark one time i didn't know the day my mom left all i knew was that my mom left i went to school came back my mom was gone like, oh, yeah, yeah, my, uh, mommy left. Well, like the oldest people in the house knew. And then the day she was coming back, I didn't know she was coming back that day either. Only like maybe one person in the house knew. And then she arrived, hey, mommy is home. But that's how it started going. The habit started forming. By the time I was in the U.S., when I, last time I went to Nigeria, they were like, hey, people were like, please take gifts for me, for my family, take stuff for me, for my family. But... Only their family were coming to meet me at the airport were supposed to know that I'm coming. My own family didn't know I was coming to Nigeria because you don't want to start announcing to people. Even though I wasn't going to my, I wasn't going to Patakot, I wasn't going to Lagos, I was going to Abuja. But you don't want to still tell people because you start telling everybody then it's like, you don't know who's going to tell who and you, you, everybody start becoming paranoid. I understand that. We do the same in Haiti. We actually do not, you know, uh, say anything about us coming to the country mm-hmm. just, you know, as a precaution because you don't know who will hear about the information and start trying to hurt you. Yeah. Basically, you do the same. So it, it, it's unfortunate, but the official kidnapping in the Portacourt area that started spreading and then became national, it began as part of our agitation, I say our because I'm from Niger Delta. The the guys who did the kidnapping, we knew them, and they were agitating for the communities against the oil companies. That's why they started kidnapping oil workers. It started oh, with okay. that. But now there was mm-hmm. a difference of oil workers. They weren't just kidnapping any oil worker. They were kidnapping Americans, British, um, EU passport holders. So they knew so they had information from people in the companies who will leak it out to them and they'll go grab those guys. Then mm-hmm. the oil company started removing those staff, moving them to Lagos. And take them out of those area of Naya Delta areas. Mm-hmm. And then that's when we started realizing that there were a whole lot of people working in Nigeria from countries like Kazakhstan. Uh, a whole bunch of places you, you don't expect to hear, but there were professionals getting paid more than Nigerians in Nigeria. Yeah. They started kidnapping everybody. That's how the kidnapping spread because you hear that, oh, they kidnapped somebody from Kazakhstan, they kidnapped somebody from uh, Uzbekistan, they kidnapped somebody from uh, Chechnya. Like, wait, how's somebody from, where are all these people from? What, what, how are they in Nigeria? Like, what, wait, what? And then the moment it started spreading to the, all the other nationalities, then it got to the stage where it was like, I guess, a lot of people were like, you know what? I don't need to be an armed robber. This is good business. I don't need to shoot anybody. If I can just grab somebody with money, yeah, the family will pay. And the next thing, yeah, one chief has been kidnapped to pay ransom. And the next thing, one, um, they tried to kidnap one uh, former general. They forgot that his title said former general. So retired general. The man had a gun on him, so he, he was able to kill his uh, kidnappers. And... But it just started spreading from there because it became an industry. And then by the time Boko Haram officially came on the scene, they just mm-hmm. to an, an but Boko Haram makes money off. Oh, it. so it started with Boko Haram? No. It started from Naya Delta with our 
okay. the Nile Delta, they call us Nile Delta militants, but those are mm-hmm. the guys fighting against the oil companies for pollution of the oil producing regions, which is in the Niger Delta. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's it started. Uh, it started with a on, with a good cause. Yeah, and then everybody jumped in. I was like, hey, hey, it's money here. Yeah. Let me, let me let me get let me get money too. Let me get money. Everybody, let me get money. Let me get money. Mm-hmm. And then it just blew up into. And then by yeah. the time Boko Haram came in the north, slightly different region, Boko Haram were like, ah, yes, we're gonna take this to a whole new level. Take all the school kids. And they took school kids and just that was terrible. They just blew up. And now Boko Haram is like they're doing. They've they've actually reduced the bombings they do. They are just kidnapping kids, kidnapping kids, kidnapping kids, kidnapping. Kidnapping and they get, they make they make money off it, they make money off it. It's big money they're getting. And they also they they you know people like that they are also searching for power somehow. They are being talked about. They are you know be, they whatever they're doing is you know has a very international coverage. You know yes. they're in the news and they like that. They feel powerful. Yeah, it, it's uh it's a strategy. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. we spent a lot of time on that. Let's uh, <laughs> let's come yeah, back to I you. Yeah, it's time. <laughs> before before we, we we have to come back to you being in the United States. Before we we jump to you in the United States, let's take a quick break, and um, we shall come back with your American experience and journey. Hi everyone, your host Rafael Harry here. I can't believe we have gone past our one-year anniversary of doing White Label American. I've had the privilege of speaking with some amazing people, sharing their modern-day immigrant stories. And you've allowed this Nigerian immigrant to share parts of his immigrant journey through this podcast. Also, one of my goals of this podcast is breaking down artificial walls that keep people from getting to understand each other. Based on your wonderful feedback over the last year, I think we have done a decent job in breaking down some of those walls. We would like to continue and expand on this mission, but we need your help. I've had an amazing time creating and producing episodes for this show largely on my own. We have a lot of ideas for new and exciting content to expand upon the mission, but we need direct support from you, our listener, which is why we have created White Label American Patreon page, where you can make a one-time donation or become a sustaining contributor, where you can get access to exclusive content, help me interview upcoming guests by submitting questions, and even have the chance to sit down with me for a one-on-one conversation either virtually or in studio so if this podcast means something to you and if you really love this show think about becoming a sustaining contributor and donating by going to patreon.com slash white label american pod Thanks for listening and for the privilege of your company. Alrighty, so we are back and welcome back everyone. So 
Marie, you decided to leave Haiti. And I know, I know I skipped over a lot in Haiti because we jumped into a whole different topic. But it's all good. It's all part of the conversation. And yes. you moved to the United States. And um, was New York your first port of call in the United States? Um, actually I moved to the, I moved to the U S, um, in a very, um, hard situation. It was after the earthquake. So after the earthquake, um, I was able to, to quickly go to the Dominican Republic and I stayed there for a week. Mm -hmm. Uh, from there we made arrangements for us to, to because I wasn't my son. So we we stayed, I mean from there we took a plane. After a week we took a plane to New to Miami where I stayed for a day or two. And then I moved here to the US to New York City. So I've been in New York, not New York City, New York State, because I leave I lived, I moved to upstate New York and I stayed there for approximately eight, nine years. Okay. And I have recently moved to New York City. So New York was always the plan for you when, when, you, York, when, when you decided to leave Haiti? Yeah, New York was always the, the plan, although I have people in other part, uh, parts of the U.S., but I absolutely. Was there a particular the reason, reason for choose, New York? The reason I chose New York is because I had ties with an organization. I was working for them at the time okay. as a volunteer um they were trying to implement their you know organize their non-profit organization in Haiti and I was working on that project for them so at the time uh when the earthquake happened I felt like it was the best place for me to be so I could have you know continue working mm. for my Haitian people like just because the organization when the earthquake happened was very active and, you know, sending things out in Haiti, yeah. helping out. So at the time I felt like, okay, being here in New York would help me, you know, support my Haitians better than going to other places because I had already, I was already working with, with that organization and it was the, I think it was the best thing for me at the time. Yeah. yeah. So when we got here, of course, they they handle everything for myself and my son. They got us, you know, um, help, um, school for my son, houses. I mean, you know, shelter for myself, and until I could find my way by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I know a lot of um, Haitians are also in Florida, and. So, like yeah. between Florida and New York, which has the largest Haitian community? Oh, that's a good question. I would say I I don't know about Florida because I don't really I don't really know the the Haitian demographic there. But I know that the place where I stayed in New York, upstate New York, it is in Spring Valley. You probably heard about yes. it. There's probably a lot of Nigerian Africans there too. Oh, There's I, I never a large about that. yes. Yeah. There's I've heard large, the name. I just never realized that there might be. Yeah, I Africans. stayed in Spring Valley, and oh. there's a large Haitian community there. Oh, yeah, Spring Valley. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you chose New York because 
New York, yeah, I love New York, so I'm biased. Oh, I love New York. <laughs> I, love I love New York. Yeah. yeah. So another, seen... another thing that I love about you is that uh, you, uh, when it comes to languages, you speak a whole bunch of languages. And <laughs> uh, were you speaking all those languages before you arrived in New York or did you pick any other language in New York? No, actually, I've spoken all my languages back from home. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you Haitian, my mother did not really go to school other than the basics. So she didn't speak French, but um, she made sure that we were well educated. At home, we spoke um at home, we spoke Creole, like talking with my mother. I speak Creole, but we you know with other people in my family, remember I told you that we grew up in a like in a big house. So there yes. were other people that would other other members of the family that would speak French. So we would make sure that we keep speaking the little French that we know, mm -hmm. um, just so that we we practice. And at the time I was growing up schools were very, very, um, you know, you had very good, the education in Haiti was very good. So, um, and then, and then the schools I would go to, which were private schools, you have a French education, you know, books are in French, you speak French from the recess, from recess to classrooms, you speak French. You would, all, you would only speak Creole when you're home mm. or when you're sitting with your little friends. Like, you know, we're talking, you know, like small little conversations with friends. You would speak Creole, but not necessarily. Um, now, the English part, as I was growing up and members of my family were traveling and then they would come back with Michael Jackson songs, you know, and at the time, uh, Prince and those people, so they would come up with, you know, they call them cassette, VHS. Yeah, VHS. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember so, those. Rewinding yeah, them so, as a skill. <laughs> yes, yes. They would be um, dancing to those songs. So now you start singing. And I'm, I mean, I love languages. So while you're talking, while you're singing, you're trying to understand what people are, are saying too, you know? So that's when I started, you know, uh, searching. I got myself like a French-English dictionary and, you know, trying to translate and words by words. And then, you know, you go with, you trying to go your vocabulary, but I really started learning English when I went to school for my secretary degree. Not degree, but it's like a, an associate. Uh, um, diploma? Yeah, diploma. And I had that. I had that um, English, French education there. So, okay, so that's when you had the formal education. Yes. But you had already been teaching yourself that. English before... Before no, I mean I, I I was speaking English way before way before I start I studied that, that yeah that, no, that, that, that's that's what I'm saying. Secondary, that's cool, 
But the so, formal, like you said, the yeah. formal education, you know, I got it there where I can say, okay, I do speak English. Yeah, you know? so because I, I, I was going to ask because you by t by you already teaching yourself English mm -hmm. up by when you went for the formal education, mm -hmm. that, did that, did that help you when you you went for that? Did it make it easier for you to learn uh, whatever you were taught? For the I mean, diploma, the thing with me, the thing with me, I don't know. I think there's a dyslexis. No, I don't, I, I, don't, I think there's a way for people. There's a way to say that. The thing with me, I write better than I, I speak. Yes. And it's only now that you know, I really am trying to, to work on it because you know, with the immigration platform, I feel like I have to grow because. When you are bringing a certain caliber of people to your platform, you want to be able to you want to be on that level with them and be able to communicate. And you know, you I need that elocution where I should be able to speak English properly. You know, and that's where I feel like I'm stepping up right now. But um, to come back to your question. Um, I do speak, when I speak all those languages, I speak a little Spanish too. I, I was going to ask, I was, don't, I was going to be surprised if you did not speak Spanish. Yeah. French, speak French and Spanish, Spanish it's, because it's uh, right, yeah, right across. Yeah, they're cousins. But, Yes, yes. So I speak all those languages, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a journey. You don't, you always trying to, you know, better yourself a certain way, and that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, and your your English is great. Um, trust me, your English is yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. I, I I've regressed in my English, and I Thank know why. You. For me, it was Navy. Someone told me that when I joined the Navy. It was the Navy that helped you. No, hell no. It regressed my English and, actually. <laughs> and you know what? Um, when I mean. I, I speak bet I speak more fluently than when I was living in Spring Valley because you know influences when you when you are with your Haitian people you speak Creole all the time so mm -hmm. but when I'm when I'm at work I speak English but now it's mostly English and I feel like you know it's getting there you know better the flow is better than like two or three years before trust me you you are doing a fantastic job there's no, <laughs> there's no time i've tuned into your videos that i've felt like oh this woman's english puts me off or no no you're not in that category or i felt like um you do not um you're not at the level of your guest because <laughs> yeah you, you do a fantastic job for someone Thank who, uh, someone like myself, who was like English, 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 you know, that we'll, we'll push it in our society, mm -hmm. Nigerian society. Yeah, yeah. Trust me, you are, you are far better. Yeah, far better. So don't don't, 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 I... don't be hard on yourself. You you you're doing <laughs> a you. fantastic job. Yeah. You have uh, not limited yourself to being one to to stay in one place. To be, mm -hmm. and I don't mean that literally or physically but um as a person in growing as a person in growing emotionally mm -hmm. and in helping others to grow and I, yeah. I that's one thing i love about your platform because your platform 
I, I get it with, you know, we wanting to just show the success stories, but there's a whole lot of things that we masquerade in just saying, oh, immigrants, we, we, you know, we are so successful, immigrants. That's why I don't really broadcast that Nigerians have the degrees, Nigerians are the immigrants with the highest number of degrees in America. I don't broadcast that because, like you mentioned, the the struggles a whole lot of people going through, like the, the ones who, like I've, I've never heard a story of a woman filing for a man and the man being abused when he comes over. But I've heard of, the, the the women who came over mm-hmm. and the men abused mm-hmm. them. I've heard that a lot in the Nigerian Ghanaian community. Uh, I, I've heard a whole bunch of stories and it's like p- people don't want to talk about it. We don't want to acknowledge it, but it happens. And I'm like, we need to it keep does. saying it. And I know someone, I know a, a, a man who, until he told me of his experience, I've been trying to get him on the podcast, but he feels he's not, he hasn't made it in life yet, so he can't come. But until he told me about he got a green card back when Nigerians, uh, Nigeria qualified for green card. And uh, we got our visas on the same day. And he arrived, but he didn't know anybody. So in, in America, he had nobody in America. So the, on, on, under the system, you can, uh, they will pick somebody from your country and they get tax incentives to accept somebody coming from the country uh, similar to you. And, you know, if you ho- agree to host the person, then you get tax incentives. And I wasn't aware of all that until he started telling me this. And he ended up staying with his family in New York because he's in New York here. And they made life hell for him. He's brand new in America. They were charging him bills. They were, he he just arrived. (laughs) He has Mm -hmm. no job. The same thing with like water usage. All So after like six months, this guy called the police. He he didn't know, he just, out of frustration, he just called the police. Like he, he didn't understand what was happening. It's now he just didn't understand it. So he said he called the police. So by the time he called me and was telling me all this, he was in a shelter because police asked him, do you want to press charges? Because police, when they, when they saw his living conditions, they said this was the equivalent of human trafficking. So they will have to arrest the family and press charges. And he said, as a Nigerian, he didn't want to press charges against another Nigerian family. So just, just get me out of here. If you can take me out of the house, I'll find my way. Mm-hmm. And they said the only thing they could do for him was put him in a shelter. And he said he will manage that. Now he has yeah. a master's degree. Um, he's bounced back. But uh, until he told me, I never knew something like that existed. I just thought, oh, you know, it's, you come, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's smooth that's sailing. A, that's a lot of but this going if on. people mm-hmm. don't talk about that, another person will fall into that trap too and say, oh, there's a Nigerian family who I've never heard of. I don't know them, but they are willing to accept me. And then they abuse you. And then we hear on the news, Nigerians get arrested. They're like, why did they get arrested? This there's person also, is wicked because we blame the person who reports. That's how it's been framed in Nigeria sometimes. Like the person who reports, mm-hmm. you're ungrateful. You they brought you, they hosted you in America, and then, but you don't know the details. And they threaten you. Listen, listen, mm-hmm. uh, Rafa. They threaten you. They they threaten to have you deported. Yes, yes. But um, this is actually now that I'm mingling with immigration lawyers this is actually if people knew once exactly. you tell people somebody knew. that mm-hmm. you will get de- i will get you deported that person you should never say that to to someone True. when you know their immigration you know situation because that that only word can be taken against you 
and that's okay. why we need to we need educate. to get more people to talk and educate. we need to uh educate and put it out there because the more people know you have the power that you have you won't mm -hmm. be able to, they won't have power over you because the people doing this believe that they have power over the victims so as far as the, the dynamic keeps working that way they feel that they they have all the information to themselves and the victims don't have any information on their side they will keep abusing you but until the victim realizes that i have power if you're in new york area new york has great human rights fights like the government of new york city will will come new york city is great for that fighting something like that so you have so much in your corner but if you don't know it's like me when i moved to new york and I'd, i'm trying to find an apartment and landlords were discriminating against me even though i had money i had everything the, my credit is great but i didn't know that i could just call the human rights commission of new york because my ignorant self you know i was just angry i go find mm -hmm. it but all i had to do was just call the human rights commission look at what's happening and they would have gone after those landlords mm -hmm. it was like three years later i found out and i was like wow you know yeah man. so but that's that's why our platforms exist and oh by the way congratulations on your one year anniversary it's uh not many people start stuff like this are able to you know they give up after a few weeks it's not easy it's not easy job, no it's not but, easy at uh, all it's you, not you, easy you you you, you, you keep shining the light you've not given up and i admire you for that so yeah thank, <laughs> thank you for your great work you're doing yeah. Thank you, Rafa. I will be going live um tomorrow at 5 p.m. Usually I would go live on Saturdays for the immigration platform and on Sundays, every third Sunday of the month for the cooking show. Um, you know, I had introduced the cooking yes, show. Yes, yes. I haven't immigrants caught, been cooking? able to catch the cooking show, unfortunately. It falls mm -hmm. at, um, I either have something going on in, anytime. I, I, I yeah. plan to catch it one day. I plan to catch yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I... So tomorrow I'm going. I'm going live for a small celebration. Um, I didn't want the day to go by without really um marking it. So I don't know yet what I'm doing, but I'm going live at five tomorrow for to celebrate the platform. So whatever we can do, if you can stop by, I would be. It would be nice. But you to. can always catch it, you know, um, later on on the page. I'll, I'll most definitely try to jump in at least to, to come sing happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. Happy happy anniversary. Yeah. Yeah, happy anniversary. So um, I have to start wrapping up. Uh, we went a little bit longer than expected. And I thank you for giving me your time. But uh, I have to ask three quick questions. So first sure. one. I know you're, you're a fun person and you also got the groove in you going on. So if you need, which artist can keep you dancing for at least, if you want to dance for an hour, you know, you're into exercising now. So dancing is exercise also. So if you need to dance for an hour, name your three go-to artists that can keep you dancing. Hands down, hands down. Hands down, Afro Beats. I have Naira Mali. I have, have Mayor Kuhn. I have. <laughs> you want me to cite them? Yeah, I give have one Mayor more. Kuhn. I have, yeah, I, what is his name again? Uh, I love Bernard Boy. I feel like he sings like he he has this maturity in his in his voice. Uh, I have what is Ricardo? <laughs> oh, Ricardo Banks. 
Not not Amali is uh he he is some that guy is Ooh, that not guy he, he, he's a guy of the streets. He he reminds yeah, me of um this there's one musician boy. from the Yoruba side. I, uh, Obesere, he reminds boy. me of Obesere. Obesere is the that's the real bad boy now. Obesere is a bad boy because his videos. I don't think you can, you would you would touch Obesere's videos if you see Obesere's videos. But Obesere, there's nowhere in Western Nigeria Obesere would go to that the streets urchins. You can, you cannot touch Obesere. Back when Obesere was on top, you couldn't touch him because when anywhere it comes out, all the boys on the street, all the street, what what, what is considered the street thugs. They will come out. Obesity is our man. They will just yeah. That is, I, I see Naira Mali. I see that effect with Naira Mali, and it's beautiful to see because it, it, the people just the, the, the people at the bottom. They just that's their man. They associate with him. They just say this is our man. And once they, they crown you like that, it's like he can walk on the streets. They'll just be mm-hmm. you can't you can't touch him. That's why when the government went after him, I was like, you're, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. This, <laughs> This guy, you're wasting your time. You're only making and, him more popular. <laughs> and Lafa, as a, since I'm Haitian, I don't want to have any issues with my Haitian. Yeah, I, I was gonna. I was, right now. I was gonna say, hey, don't come after Definitely me. Definitely, Sweet Mickey. <laughs> Sweet you know? Mickey. Sweet oh, I've Mickey. never heard. I've never heard that. One. I'll add that to my playlist. No. Sweet Mickey was the president. He was the president, but oh. before being a president, oh. yeah, he was. Wait, wait. Okay, artist. I think I've heard. Wait, what's up with the Haitian? So, no, so that's why Wyclef thought he had a chance. <laughs> exactly. Ah, okay. I don't blame Wyclef. Now I thought it was because Wyclef sang that. Uh, if I was president, that's why he wanted. I was like, you, you said if I was. I don't think you are president, but okay. Uh, well, well, okay. We, we, we love Wyclef in Nigeria, though. Wyclef. Oh, okay. oh, he's mad popular there. He's that uh, went from the Fugees into his album. We all had oh, his CDs. I had, I had his first. Um, what's that CD called again? His first CD. I don't know about later on, but his first CD, I had it. Um, okay. Uh, Diallo, Diallo, Diallo. Oh, man, we used to sing that. I still sing that song from beginning to the end. Oh, yeah, wow. That's, uh, oh, that's good to know. Yeah. All right. And food question. Now, the, you're in New York City. We have so much food here. Well, yeah, cuisine. What? What's your... your your, your favorite cuisine, you know, Haitian food, Haitian, Haitian food, food okay. hands down. All right, well, so g- give me a name, give me a name. What was something that you say I should, oh, I should try? What would you recommend oh, I eat? Okay, Look, you can try the basic, like grill. I'm not a busy castle. guy, I'm not a busy guy. <laughs> you, want me, you want me to turn food Nigeria? I say, ah, uh-uh, I'm, I'm not a busy, give me something that is uh, at the top, uh-uh. madam, give me something at the top. <laughs> Okay, okay. So you can have some jiuya legume. Oh, the name alone makes me already salivating now. Maybe, maybe I should have, I should have stayed with basic. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, no, I like that. I like that. What, what's, what's that made with? Huh? What what's the what what's that made of? Oh, the legume you have. I think you have those also in your in your cuisine. You you have a mala. Mala is this type of legume. It's like a concoction of veggies, and then you you mash them, and then you you add meat. Oh, okay. What is a mala? A mala is the the is like black or gray. It's probably grayish looking dough. Well, use it to eat. Oh. Um, preferably, I prefer it with a wedu and stew. 
So it's okay, from Yoruba okay, okay. Okay, so, people. But so so it's it's the you, you've seen our fufu, you've seen fufu that we eat, fufu that we mm-hmm. eat, which uh, different mm-hmm. stew, like a goosey, peanut stew. Yeah. So amala is like, instead of eating pounded yam or the fufu, amala, mm-hmm. you eat amala, it's lighter mm-hmm. than pounded yam or okay. regular fufu. It's very light. Okay, so our legume is what you would call the stew for yourself. We okay. have different, with different veggies that, and then different meat yeah. that we can do, but we mash them, you know, oh. we mash. So including the, the do, meat? No, not the meat. Okay, just the, the veggies. The, the veggies. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, well, yeah that's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm not used to. Maybe Northern Nigeria might have something similar to the mashed mm-hmm. veggies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Northern Nigeria has a few cuisine that have not... The, the drinks from Northern Nigeria is what is the, the liquid cuisine. That's what I've had. I remember having, but I don't remember most of the, uh, um, the, the, the main cuisine that you eat. Yeah, that's why I don't. Yeah, I have to ask one of my friends. You live in you live in Brooklyn. There is a there is a Haitian there is a Haitian restaurant in Brooklyn called Zami. Actually, I was supposed to go there for the weekend. Um, Zami, you should. I'll send you the link. I'll send you the link so you can go and visit them. Mm -hmm. If they deliver, I'll just order from them too. Yeah, bring it to Mm -hmm. me. All righty. Okay, so uh, final question. What would you like to leave the audience with? Uh, could be a quote, could be a quote from your, your, a book you've read, could be a line from one of your favorite artists or songs. Uh, it could be a mantra that you live by. Um, positivity. I feel like um, I have been um, living by positivity in my life for the last two, three years. And it really has helped me grow a lot. And don't, just don't, don't sweat the small stuff, you know, sometimes, um, or people say, choose your, your, your battle. Mm. There are things that really are not that important to, to give it fire, you know, Keep your positivity and make sure that you 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 live that best life that you've always wanted. All right, love that. Yeah. Where can people find you? And uh, for those who want to get in touch with your amazing show. Oh, um, thank you for that question. Yes, people can definitely find me on Instagram. That's my major platform. I try not to go anywhere else. So, um. There, you can have access to all my um, videos. I post mostly at least three times a week, post pictures. I keep myself very active on Instagram. And the handle to to look for is I am Marie Valérie Placide. So I will be very happy to welcome any of you. Please come around and show you know show love show support and if anyone is interested and sharing sharing their own immigration um stories do not hesitate to contact me dm me i mean i'm not really formal if you dm me and tell me hey i'd like to share my story i will take it from there with you awesome and yes Mm -hmm. keep the love coming in and trust me marie will respond to you 
She's great people, and yeah, as far as you are not some rude person, she will should respond to you. All right? <laughs> yeah, we all we all about love and positivity here. So yes. Umbana Marie, that's how I say thank you in my language. Umbana. Umbana. Yes. Okay. And uh, appreciate you always, and to the audience, thank you all for joining us. Don't forget to come back next week for the next episode and keep the love coming in. Keep the five stars coming in. Join us on Patreon if you can. All right. Thank you for the privilege of your company. Thanks for listening to White Label American. If you enjoyed the show, we'll appreciate if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. If you have any questions, comments, or have someone who will be a good guest on the show or you want to be on the show send us a message at whitelabelamerican at gmail.com and make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at White Label American. Thank you for your support.